Good morning. It's a blessing being here in Honokah. This is the first time I've ever spoken here. So thank you for inviting me. Greetings from the Hilo Seventh-day Adventist Church, your church family. Um, we are always thinking and praying with and worshiping with our other churches. We're always thinking of you in our own worship. So we thank you for praying for us. And we thank you for um, being here today also. I want to say that it's a blessing to see that we can go to different places, different parts of this island, and we can come and worship. Isn't it beautiful? You don't have to drive that far to find a church to worship. So I praise God for that. I would like to begin with a word of prayer. Bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we adore you. We love you, dear God. You're great. You're so awesome. I ask that you please take a stand behind this pulpit. Dear God, this morning, may you please tune our ears to the station that you will be playing. And may we hear the message like we've never heard it before. May we understand it like we've never understood it before. We love you and we thank you, dear God. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 No matter where I go, no matter what church I'm in, when I stand in front, I always get nervous. And uh, I think that happens to all of us. Some of us, as we prepare, we're already shaking in our boots. Some of us can stand up here and it's not a problem. But there's a burden. It's not just standing up here and reading or saying whatever comes to your mind. There's a burden. God speaks to us as we prepare. And so every single time that I'm going to stand in front, I tell God, God, don't make me sweat, and he makes me sweat. I say, God, don't make my legs shake, and he makes my legs shake. All of that just reminds me that I got to hang on to God. Everything that I say, everything that I do has to be given to me by God. I invite you to open your Bibles to Joshua 24. Joshua 24, verse 14. Joshua 24, verse 14. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, chapter 24. Chapter 24, verse 14 and 15. I lost my paper, but that's all right. So we have the Bible. And it says here, Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. You all got it? Amen. Amen. It says here, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. 
Throw away the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, but as for me and my nephews and my nieces and my grandpa and my grandma and my wife, but as for me and all those that live with you, we will serve the Lord. Amen? If you wish. But three years ago, the company that my uncle works for paid $60 million to acquire the rehearsal footage for a concert called This Is It. Now this concert, this is it. Some of you might have heard about it. It was a concert of a man who goes by the name of Michael Jackson. He was gonna have this big show at the Staples Center. For those that don't know where the Staples Center is, it's where the world champion Los Angeles Lakers play. Just thought I'd throw that world champion part in. <clears throat> and uh, he had cameras put at different angles because he wanted all to catch everything that was going to be happening there. He wanted to make sure that everything was recorded. But little did we know, little did we know that months later he was to die exactly. He was known as a king of pop, argu arguably one of the world's best entertainers that graced your lives and mine. Sad to say that this concert that never was, this rehearsal footage, made more than $260 million. Why am I throwing these numbers out simply because of this. All it is is a rehearsal. That's all it was. It was nothing else but a rehearsal. It was considered one of the highest grossing documentary concert films ever. And it was Michael trying to tell the world, you know what, this is it. This is my last thing I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to play the fa you know, your favorite songs. I'm going to be hitting all those high notes, because he was known for hitting those high notes. I'm going to be doing all that. If you don't catch it, I'm sorry. This is the last thing I'm going to do. Now we go back to Joshua. Let's go to the word. Joshua. How many of you know who Joshua was? Only one? Two? Three? A few of you know who Joshua was? A few. I just want to know if you guys are listening. You guys with me today? I'm a kind of interactive speaker, so I want to make sure that you guys are listening. Let me try that again. How many know who Joshua was? Okay. Amen. Joshua, he took the baton from Moses, and he was leading the people to the promised land. He was leading the Israelites to the promised land. Joshua, pretty much one of the greatest uh, leaders of our faith. You know, he, he led battles in Jericho that were successful. 
you could say at that time, he was the man. Joshua was the man. He led this huge mass of people to the path that God wanted, where God wanted them to go. So we go to chapter 24, and we meet Joshua. He's 110 years old. He has seen all that any leader has seen at that time. And he calls the leaders to check him. You guys read the story. He calls the leaders to check him, and he says, you know what, I need to tell you guys something. This is going to be one of my last times that I'm going to be speaking to you. This is going to be my farewell tour. This is going to be my last, one of my last addresses. And I need for you to hear what I got to say. So in the first 13 verses of this chapter, he's reminding the people of how good our God is that we serve. He's reminding the people of how good our God is. You know, he made a way out of no way. He stopped the bankruptcy. He stopped the foreclosure. When you didn't have enough money for gas to make it to church, he made sure you made it to church. The time when you were depressed and he was healing you, he healed you. The time when you were getting broken up in all these relationships, he was there for you. He reminded the Israelites of how good is that God that we serve. Do any of you need reminded this morning? See, sometimes we come to church and we say, you know what, let's see how good the word is, but we don't need to do that, brothers and sisters, because the word that we get on a daily basis should be enough where we can be praising God every single day. I'm not saying that coming to church and hearing the good word is not good. Don't get me wrong, because then rumors get started. That's not what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is that when you have been studying God's word, this word that just transforms our lives, that makes us change, that brings a smile, like all of you are smiling, none of you are smiling, that brings a smile to our face, the word that changes our hearts, that changes us to make the correct decisions, that word is the one that makes us praise God on a daily basis, on a daily basis. But you know what happens to us? We can read something and then we forget. We have what we call selective amnesia, right? We need to be reminded of things. We need to be reminded of how good our God is. We need to be reminded of how good his mercy is. So I thank Joshua because he reminded us. Sometimes we forget what's going on in our lives forget that God was there before, and even though we're going through something right now, we forget that God was there before, previous to that moment, and how good he had been with us. So Joshua took the time to remind the Israelites. You know, he, he, he told them, you know, from the foundations of this earth, he had already outlined a plan. 
a destiny for our lives. He said the steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. We serve a good, we serve an awesome, we serve an amazing God. Jimmy? But in verse 14, in verse 14, halfway through that chapter, he changes his, what he's saying. The first 13 chapters, he's, the first 13 verses, he's reminding them. But in verse 14, he changes it. Open your Bibles and read. Verse 14. In his farewell address, he's saying that he's reminded the Israelites of everything that God had said, you know. And I can just imagine the Israelites sitting there and saying, oh man, this is going to be good. He's just reminding us. He's not going to push us. He's just reminding us. And I can just hear a God is good. All the time. God is good. See? Joshua is just reminding us of the things that we have gone through. There's nothing to it. But in verse 14, Joshua 24, verse 14, he puts it in their face and he says, Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Then we've gotten to a point in time where we don't understand that though God is a God, that is awesome, he still needs to be feared. When we walk into his house, which is this house, we must understand that he is here, that his presence is here, and we must behave accordingly. You see, even though God is our friend, we understand God is our friend. We need to fear him, not fear as in the opposite of faith, but fear in how awesome he is. Fear the Lord. Then he continues and he says, serve him in sincerity and in what else? Nah, you're not listening. Serve him in sincerity and in what else? Truth. The Hebrew word for truth basically means faithfulness. And what it is, is it's a gauge between what we say and what we do. That's pretty harsh. Let me repeat that again. It's a gauge between what we say and what we do. You see, Joshua understood that the Israelites were doing a little bit of slipping and dipping, that they would say things like, God, I love you, but they would, they would act like, I don't need you, God. I don't need you at all. They would say, God is good, like we all do, but they wouldn't even pray to him. They wouldn't even talk to him. So Joshua understood that there was a difference in what they said and what they do, what they did. And he's saying, you gotta, you gotta serve him in sincerity and in truth. In other words, what you say has to line up with what you do. Then he says the following. He says, put away all those other gods that you got. Put them away and serve the Lord. But of the proposition of serving the one that is great to you, the proposition of serving 
the God, the serving God seems bad, then choose you this day who you will serve. Yes, understand that. If you don't want to serve God, that's fine. But choose today who you will serve. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Choose it today. A lot of us, you know, we like to slip under the radar. We don't like our faith to be challenged. We really don't. We see people that come into our churches and our own mind, we say, oh, that's a bad person. You know, we see somebody with long hair and we say, oh, no, got to cut it. We see someone without shoes and we tell them, you cannot come in this church till you put on your shoes. We don't like our faith to be challenged. Let me be so bold as to say, what does the hair and the shoes have to do with you getting to know God? It has nothing to do with that, if I may be so bold to say. Joshua was challenging the Israelites, and he said, you know what, no, 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 no. You have to make a decision today. So as ugly as it sounds, put up, What's the next word? Or shut up. Choose you this day who you will serve. See, a lot of us, a lot of us, well, let me start off by saying this. This message, this message that you're hearing is for me. 100% it is for me. Okay. A lot of us, a lot of me, when I'm asked, do you love God? What do you think I'm going to say? Yeah, right? That, that's what you guys are going to say? Do you love God? Yeah. But what would happen if, let's just take today, what would happen if there was cameras that followed us home today? What would happen? Would it be a reality show? Would it be a reality show? What if cameras followed us all week? What if cameras followed each one of us all week? With the things that we say inside these four walls, inside this church. Oh, I love God. Oh, I love my enemies. Oh, I love this. With the things that we say here. Would it be the same way that we are acting outside of here? Would it be that way? Choose you this day who you will serve. Church family, you got to get this. You got to get this. Most of us, when asked the question, who do you serve, we're going to say, yes, I serve God. But it's not about what we say. It's about what we do. So do your actions communicate that you love God? I told you this message was for me. A lot of us, oh, a lot of me, can be so kind to our church family. 
were so kind. Brother, I missed you. Where you been? How was your week? We go home and we mistreat our family. Sit down. Get out of there. If you have young kids, if you don't have young kids, then it's different. But we do that a lot. We treat our church family better than our family that we, that we have at home. Why? Why? See, choose you this day who you will serve. We need to. We need to. We need to make that decision. Then he goes on and says, and I like this part. You can serve these gods or you can serve these, these other gods. But then he says something that talks to me. He says, but as for me, see, but as for me, he takes accountability. Because at a certain point, we cannot longer blame our childhood for our problems that we're facing today. At a certain point, we cannot say, you know what, this boyfriend, this girlfriend didn't do this or, or did this, and I am the way I am today. At a certain point, we need to take accountability for our life and for our situation. At a certain point, we need to do that. And that point might be today for you. It might be today for me. Going back, going back to Michael Jackson. He had been hearing all this time, you know what? You're getting old. You're getting old. You're, you're washed up. You probably can't hit those high notes again. You know, uh, no one this, in this generation knows who you are. So that's stuff that was playing in his mind. But even worse, Bank of America had given him a loan of a lot of million dollars, about 250 million. And they were knocking on his door. You need to pay up now. The bill collectors were, were asking him, hey, where's the money? So when that happened, he said, this is it. This is it. I need to do this concert. That was him. But I ask you, what needs to happen in your life? What needs to happen in my life where I say, you know what? I'm not going to let things get any further than that. This is it. This is, it's gone far enough. I need to stop what I'm doing. See, when we look at Joshua and the Israelites, so Joshua was getting tired of dealing with this, this schizophrenic people where, where one day they were saying, I love you, God. You know, I, 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 I want to worship you. And Joshua would go and he would pray for the family, he would pray for the children, and the next day they'd have different gods. You know, he, he, he was tired of leading the people that one, one week they'd be at church and then the other week he couldn't even find them. Joshua said, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And if I'm repeating that a lot, 
that is something that will stay in your mind throughout this day for sure. Choose you this day whom you will serve. He's pushing me. God is pushing me today. Not in a pushing like here, boom, or pushing you down. Not that type of pushing. He's pushing me to make a decision. My question is, is he pushing you to make a decision? As we read his word, are we constantly being moved to make decisions and corrections in our own lives? See, someone here, I don't know you. Someone here might be going through a situation that you thought you could handle it. A lot of us do. A lot of us do. You know you should have probably ended it a long time ago, but it's still continuing. So Joshua is talking to you today. God is talking through Joshua to you today. Joshua issued that challenge. So let me ask you another question. Do you think we can go to heaven by accident? No? Do you think we can go to heaven by accident? I don't think so. Uh, no, let me emphasize that. I know you cannot go to heaven by accident. How many agree with me? Amen? Good. We're in the same boat there. We have something in common. That's good. You know, in our lives, we have a lot of things that will hold us back. But I want to ask you, is there something here that is holding you back from being all that you can be for God? You might be hanging out with the wrong crowd. And you don't have to be young to do that. Trust me, you don't have to be young to be hanging out with the wrong crowd. You can right now be hanging out with the wrong crowd. And that, some of the kids might be saying, yeah, my parents are the wrong crowd. Shouldn't be hanging around with them. But we can all be hanging around with the wrong crowd. Some of us, and let's be honest. Might be doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Some of us ha- might have habits that we should have stopped a long time ago. Or we thought we can handle. You know, you might be involved in things that you shouldn't be involved. And we say, you know what, it's only going to be for a little bit. But that little bit has turned to days, has turned to weeks, has turned to months, and it might have turned up to years. Well, today we're saying, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose it. See, I'm not asking here everybody to be perfect. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand that we live lives in this world that cannot be perfect. Well, at least hear me out in this. It's very hard to live the life that we want to live. Yeah? And it's very difficult sometimes for our actions to line up with what we say. It is. But when I look at this verse, these verses, Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15, I've got to be honest with you. I have to look at my life and say, Lord, you know, when was it that I had to make that decision? Or when is it when I'm going to be making that decision? Let me tell you this. When I was younger, which was a while back ago, I grew up with a man, with a boy. His name was uh, Brandon. 
Brandon Gamble. We grew up, and he tended, he didn't do it this way, but it, it looked like that. And what I mean by that is, I went to school in a city called Escondido, and he was there in Escondido. I went to, a, I switched schools, and went to a school called San Pasqual, and he went to San Pasqual Academy. Um, he was about two years younger than me. He graduated from that school just like I did. We separated for, for quite a bit of years, actually. In other words, we weren't together, don't get me wrong. Okay? We separated, like we didn't, we didn't keep in touch, that's what I meant. And um, he studied what I was studying. The only thing is he graduated, I never graduated. He studied educational psychology. Right now he's at, um, he's at Cal State Long Beach. And um, anyways, he's teaching over there. The point is this. Because of our, the way our beautiful computers work and all these applications that are out there, we were having our 20th anniversary at our school. So he was the last person that anybody had been in contact that knew where I was, which was here in this island. And so through the amazing World Wide Web, the amazing usage of Facebook, he found me. And we started chatting, and anyways, we hooked up. But we renewed our friendship. And uh, Brandon goes to a church where there's a lot of actors, there's some directors, there's some athletes that go to that church. There's Seventh-day Adventist church. And um, so as we're talking one day, I asked him, Brandon, um, well, I don't call him Brandon, but at least for... For all our sake, I'll call him that. Uh, I said, Brent, um, what are, have you kept up with any of our old friends? And he said, yeah, I have. Said, so, so what do people ask you? I said, you know what, Fernie, it's amazing. What people ask me is not if I'm in church, not you know, what, I, what have I been doing in the last couple of years. They know that I go to a church that get all these different people actors and actresses. And they asked me, what can I do? You know, remember, this is 20 years. What can I do to get my children into acting? So that's what they asked you. Yeah, that's what they asked me. Wow, that's interesting. So, so what do you answer? He goes, you know, I tell them, I can, I can tell you who to speak to, or better yet, you want to know about acting? I'll bring you to church. Church has one of the greatest actors that we, that we see around. Why do I say that? Because we get all dressed up, we put on our new shoes, and excuse me for my accent, we put on my shoes, put on a nice suit, we put on a nice dress, we come to church, we say our lines, say good morning, happy Sabbath, how you been, how, how was your week? We say everything that we need to say. And on the way out, we got to catch up on a little bit of gossip because you can't leave church without, you know, seeing what's going on. Then we go home, we take off our suits, and we're somebody totally different. 
some of the greatest actors of our lives are in church. Some people come to church and they see who that brother is and they might be visitors and say, I ain't going to come to church if that guy's that way. I ain't going to come to church. Some people lose it when they come to church. Church should be a place where we can feel comfortable being all that God wants us to be. But if we're not comfortable in this environment, then you know what happens? We start to create an image. We start to create this image. I'm not comfortable going to church, so I'm going to try to act like if I'm a regular here. I'm going to try to act like I'm holy. And you you don't think that happens? Let me explain it to you this way. Have you guys heard of Lindsay Lohan, Michael Sheen, whatever his name is, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan? People that we, not we, but some of us have held them up so high in a pedestal. Okay? I'm not going to try to defend their behaviors, but I'm trying to use this as an, as an example. Tiger Woods, greatest golfer. We were just waiting when he was going to hit all these championships. And what happened? Got busted. Not doing the right thing, right? He created an image that was not him. See, the real him was what got him in trouble. That was the real him. That's the same thing we do sometimes. We create an image that we are not. As long as the church accepts this image, we're okay. But what happens? If I want you to think that I am so, this so happy-go-lucky guy that always comes to church, and that that's me the whole time, seven, hours, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and I'm not that person, but what happens is a struggle between the person that I say I am and the person that I'm really not, and it just starts to pull us apart starts to work on you. It just starts to pull you apart. What happens? Well, then in the future, the real you comes out. And people are like, that's who you really are. That's what happens. That's what happens. Now, as I'm speaking to you today, we're almost done. But two more hours more. And um, God told me to be honest. To be honest. See, today, I don't come to you as a speaker, as a preacher, whatever you want to call me. But I come to you as an actor in rehab. I have acted that way. I have been that way. Who's to say I'm still not that way? as a young person in church by the way we do the best that we can to fit in when we're growing up do the best that we can Uh, I know I did I grew up in a city 
called Carlsbad in California. I was born and raised in California. Grew up, grew up in a city called Carlsbad. Went to church in a city called Oceanside. That's where the Spanish group got started in Oceanside. When, when the group got big enough, they bought some land, they, built it, they bought the church, and moved to a city called Vista. Vista was unique in this way. We had an English-speaking church, we had a Spanish-speaking church, and we had a Samoan-speaking church. And in those days, three churches in one city was something big. It was a big thing. And um, what I began to see was that there were certain things that I could do that would bring me praise, that would bring me accolades. People would say, wow, praise the Lord, you're in church. You think that they would say that? No, they wouldn't say that. If I, was, if I played an instrument, they would say, oh, great, you play an instrument, great. When can you play again? You know. But I knew the things that I had to do to make sure that people were happy with what I did. You understand what I'm trying to say? In other words, didn't matter what I did six days a week. As long as I played my instrument, you know, Jimmy plays the trumpet. As long as I played trumpet that Sabbath, I was good to go. My parents were happy. They didn't care what happened the rest of the other six days. Didn't matter. I knew the things that I had to do to make people tell me or make me feel like I'm, do I'm, I'm doing good. And I knew what I had to do to help make people think, oh, that guy's good. He's in church. Yeah. Not, not caring what was inside here. Just what I was doing in the outside. So I started portraying this image. And it's so amazing that what I'm talking to you about right now is a conversation that I had with my father about, about two months ago. Every once in a while, I, I make it a point, and that's just me and my family. I make it a point to take out my kids individually on dates. And uh, along with my wife, I take her out on dates. But also my dad and my mom, I like to take them out separately so we can talk story. You know, They can scold me. I don't want them to scold me in front of my kids. So that's the best time to do it. You, know, you take them where you know, your, your kids are not. And so um, we were just talking precisely. I was telling my dad when I was, when I was making this, this sermon, that, you know, I was telling him this part. And we started talking about my sister. See, I knew what I had to do to make my dad happy. Okay? I knew what I had to do. I knew that I, if I played instruments, if I came up and read scripture, it was all good, you know, everything was okay. Didn't matter what I did afterwards or anything like that. But on the contrary, with my sister, and I'm being honest with you, don't go tell me my sister what I said, okay? No, that's okay. She doesn't live here anyways. Um, my sister would question everything that my dad wanted her to do. She'd say, Dad, why do I have to do this? Or why do I have to do that? A lot of times, a lot of times, it was because that's what the church did. Yeah? This is the way it is, because that's what the church did. Why do we have to go to church in the afternoon? Because that's what the church does. It has a program. You've got to go in the afternoon. 
Why do I have to participate in front of the church? Well, that's what your Sabbath school has, wants you to do, so that's what you have to do. See? There was no other explanation, really. And I, I'm not saying this to make my dad look bad. He was here a couple of weeks ago. He's a big guy, okay? And I cannot outrun him. So I'm letting you know that I'm not trying to uh, make fun of him. It's just something that we were talking about. And what I told my dad was, you know, I knew the things that made you happy, whereas she questioned the things, why she had to do things. And that was the difference between us two, where I obeyed or I did just enough to make him feel that I was okay, when really, you know, wasn't okay. Right, Jim? We weren't okay. But my sister, you know, everybody has that in their families, the one that always questions things, right? Some of you have kids. You have kids that will, you say, go sit over there, they'll go sit over there. You tell one to go sit over there, and they'll ask, they'll gripe, they'll say, why do I have to go sit over there? Give me an explanation. It's the same thing happened to us. Coming back to where I was, I kind of got lost there on that one. Coming back. One of the hardest things, one of the hardest things for a young man growing up in the church, and if I may be so bold as to say, one of the hardest things facing young men in that time, and I can guarantee you in this time, is sex. One of the hardest things. And when you stand up in front of a church and say, you know what, I'm not going to have any relationships till I get married. You know what happens? People applaud you. You said the right line. Yeah? You said the right line. People will applaud that. You say that in front of everybody. We, it used to be a time when we would talk about those things in church. So you'd be, there used to be a time when we would say, you know what? This is what we believe in. This is what we would like. This is the proof. We used to do that before. All we talk about now, and I'm not blaming any church, but I'm just saying in general, all we talk about is don't drink and don't smoke. What about everything else? What about everything else? So I stood up in the stage and I said, I ain't having no relationship until I get married. But if the cameras were rolling, what would they show? I made that vow. It's a bold statement. It's a bold statement because of this. Because I, I wasn't going out with anybody. You make a statement when you don't have no one Going out, that's easy to say, right? Yeah, that's the easiest thing you could say. Hey, I'm not doing this, okay? Easy. Get yourself in a relationship. Get yourself in a relationship and things change. Things will change. I broke that promise. Broke that promise. 
And I'm revealing these things as a way as an example. You see, life in itself, it's not the big things where we mess up. It's in the little things. It's in the little things. In those small moments where we make decisions that will affect our life in the future. It's not in the big things. We can see the big picture. It's in those small things. And now I was struggling. I was struggling in my life. I was struggling trying to be this person that had created this image in church. I'm this person. But as soon as church was over, you got to understand, you're Hispanic. Marco, you understand. You're Hispanic. You live in San Diego area. The closest place to go out, Tijuana. There's, they don't check. They don't card you for nothing there. Trust me, I know. They don't card you for nothing. Get out of church, disappear. So now there's a struggle that's going inside me. And I'm doing this, but say I'm not. Yeah? I'm telling the church, hey, I'm still, I'm still keeping my promise. That promise that I told you guys, I'm still keeping it. But outside church, it was a different thing. And I couldn't reconcile things in my life. Because what I was saying wasn't lining up with what I was doing. See? I was saying one thing, but I was doing another thing. And when you're doing that, you know what happens a lot? You start saying things like, oh, God understands. God understands. He really does. You know, I, I want to live the way I want to live. And God will understand. That's fine. You can live the way you want to live, but you got to suffer the consequences. Right? No, God doesn't put a gun to us. I'm glad God doesn't put a gun to our head and says you got to do it this way. But your decisions, in your decisions, you have to pay the price. Sometimes the price is wrong. And sometimes the price is right. Right? So I was, rec- I was struggling. Six years I was doing that. Six years. After the sixth year, I started dating this young lady who had principles that I didn't have, who said, this is what I'm going to do. And another six years where I didn't do nothing, praise the Lord. And then I got married to my beautiful, wonderful wife, Elizabeth. So for six years, I didn't, I did what I said I was going to do. And I thank God for that. And the reason is this. To have that peace that what you're doing is following God, no one can take that peace away from you. No one can take that peace away from you. To be able to stand up and speak to people that are young or old and to be able to say, you know what, I, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it the way God tells me to do it. No one can take that away from you. There's this peace 
that comes to you when you're doing things right. There's a peace. You know, as we create these images, I tell the Honoka Church, don't get caught up in the image. The same person that looks in the mirror should be the same person that goes to work, should be the same person that comes to church, it should be the same person that goes out and plays, the same person. Church, don't get caught in an image that we are not. You know, as I go to speak to different churches, obviously this is the first time I come here, but as I go to speak to different churches, I see our youth, and, and I worry about our youth. Because we always say, oh, the children, they're, they're our future. No, they're not our future. They're our present. See, we forget that. We want to wait till they're old enough. What if they don't get to be that old, that age where we, in our minds, say, oh, you gotta be, you got to be 18 before you can participate in church. See? And I see, I see, and I worry about our youth. You know, we need to tell them what is right. We need to tell them, hey, go to school. That's right. Learn about God. That is right. You know, we need to tell them, participate, serve. We need to encourage them to do that. But we don't, we fail in that. Because we have these preset things that you got to be able to, you can't do this till you do this. Where's our youth? Where's our youth? Praise the Lord, you guys got Bible workers. Yeah, praise the Lord. I want to I wanna tell you this. When you choose God, just like the verse says, choose you this day who you will serve. God has a way. God has a way. <clears throat> and this is how he operates. This is his way. Just so that you can, see if you can picture this. God operates in 3D. Okay? He operates in 3D. Why did I say that? Because he can go and help you heal from your past. That's 1D. He can help set you, he can help fix what's going on right now in your present. That's 2D. And he can help set you up for your future. That's 3D. He works in 3D. <clears throat> you know, it's amazing, going back now to Michael Jackson, that when he's doing this rehearsal, if you know anything about Michael Jackson, when he would do his concerts, he was dressed fairly okay, if that's what you want to call it. He was dressed okay. But when he was going to the rehearsals, when would you see, you know, Michael dressed with uh, orange pants, you know, silver shirt, you know, black jacket, whatever? When would you say blue shoes, you know, he looked like a clown? When would you see him like that? But see, to him, he was just going to rehearsal. Yeah, he was just going to rehearsal. There was a lot of controversy about that. The people didn't like Michael being shown that way. 
But we're a little bit like that. Has anybody ever come to your house unannounced? Yeah? Has anybody ever come to your house unannounced? We get the phone call, hey, I'm at your door. I'm by your gate. And we say, you're what? Where did you say you were? I'm, hey, I came to visit you. I'm by the gate. Can you please open up? You say, no, 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 no. You got to wait. Get in the car away from me. Why? Because we want people to see that we get, we get it. We got it all together. Yeah? We don't want people to see, uh, you know, the mess that we're in. A lot of times. And it's not just women. Don't get me wrong. It's not just women. It's guys, too. We do the same thing. We don't want people to see that we don't have it all together. So when someone shows up unannounced, we want to make sure that we have time to prepare, that we have time to clean up, that we have time to make things right, that we have time to make sure that everything looks perfect the way we want it to look. Because if we don't, then you will see the mess that we're in. Then you're going to see how I really live. And you're going to see how I really look. Trust me, you don't want to see me in the morning how I wake up. Ah, trust me. And you want to stay far away from me when I'm speaking. Like about right now. It will be perfect. Going back to Michael. Big controversy that they were film, filming, they were showing him the way he was dressed. He was coming to the rehearsal any which way he could because he knew it wasn't the show. It wasn't the show. But what Michael didn't understand, obviously because he died, but what he didn't understand was that that rehearsal was the show. He didn't understand that the rehearsal was the show. And it's the same thing that happens to us. We get all ready and we get all beautiful to come to church. And we think this is the show, brothers and sisters. We think this is the show. But the real show is when we go home. The real show is when we leave these four walls. That's when the show begins. I want to finish with this. Heaven is shooting tape. Okay? Heaven is shooting tape the whole, all our life. Shooting tape. Writing down everything that you do. It's not like Santa Claus, whether you've been good or bad. It's not like that. Heaven is shooting tape 24 7. But God is awesome. Even though everything's being recorded about what we do, okay? He knows that it's difficult to live our lives the way we should. So this is the beauty of it. He takes us into the edit bay where you edit things. And when you've done something wrong, you say, you know what, God, forgive me because I have light. And I have light. Believe it or not, can you believe that? I have light. And I, when I ask for forgiveness... He lets me press the edit button. Bloop. Erased. 
I do something else. Maybe I, 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 well, I did something wrong. Let's just say I did something wrong. And I go to God, God, I did something wrong. Not only did I lie, but, you know, I yelled at my, I yelled at my wife. My, yell, my wife yelled at my kid. My kid punched his sister. His sister got mad at the dog. The dog bit the cat, you know. And it's a vicious cycle. I should have just come home and kicked the cat, right? We'd have avoided all those other people getting hurt. But when we go to God and we ask for forgiveness, He is just and faithful to forgive us. But we gotta repent. Repent is what? Intention to change. We got to. Because you know what, brothers and sisters? The film is going, the film is showing us. The film is running. And the question is this. If we were to sit down, if you were to sit down and watch my, my movie of my life, what would it show? Kari, what would your movie be? Yeah? Or Zach? Or Micah? What would the movie be? What would my movie show you? Some of us probably think that our life is a comedy because there's things that happen bad to us the whole time. Some of us think we, our lives are like a horror movie. It's been like someone is after us every single day. I don't know what you're showing. I don't know what your life is. I don't know. But I do know this thing. That God is telling us, choose you this day whom you will serve. Okay? You can serve these gods or you can serve those gods. But choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, and you add in who your family is, but as for you and your family, will you serve the Lord? That's my question. But let me tell you this, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, brothers and sisters.